the optimal life. Yo, Yost. How are you, sir? <laughs> Yo, Nate. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the campaign and I've seen some of the marketing lately. The Yo, Yost. I, I like that one. Uh, looking back over the last four years, you were elected to the Office of Attorney General back in 2018. What is something that you're most happy, what are you most proud of, uh, of some of the things that you guys have accomplished in this first term as Attorney General? Well, uh, there's a, a long list of things. One of the things I'm uh, pleased about is how Ohio has led the country uh, in court to hold the federal government, and particularly the president, accountable for their overreach and their uh, unconstitutional actions, from the vaccine mandate to the tax mandate uh, to various rules and, and uh, regulations that they simply didn't have the authority to, to do. Uh, only Congress did. Uh, We've been out there fighting in court for federalism and for the rights of the people to uh, run their own governments in the state. Mm. Yeah, I saw back in September of last year, you and uh, several other attorneys um, did file the lawsuit against the Biden administration. Whatever came of that? that you, you guys explain the process and then kind of what you guys did. So which one? This is for the, uh, the vaccine mandate back oh, yeah. in September uh, last year. So yeah. what happened was uh, they claimed the OSHA Act, uh, Occupational Safety and Health Administration Act uh, from the 1970s, uh, gave them the authority to pass, uh, to, to require any employer that had more than 100 employees uh, to vaccinate them all or to have very onerous tracking, uh, you know, take their temperature every day, uh, et cetera, keeping it, uh, keeping all those records. Um, we, we went to court and said, hey, uh, whether this is a good idea or a bad idea, I, mean, I didn't think it was a good idea, but that's irrelevant. It's a question for Congress. The president doesn't have the authority to tell private employers how to run their businesses in this way. You know, the OSHA Act was about having, you know, safety rails around a vat of acid so a worker doesn't fall into the vat of the vat of acid and die. It doesn't have to deal anything with things that are outside the workplace, general issues. Uh, under their reading of the uh, OSHA Act, uh, they could administratively decide to regulate almost anything in America if you could prove that there was some uh, health detriment to it. Uh, and, of course, that's not what OSHA was about. We, in a coalition of states, went to the Supreme Court. I'm proud to say that Ohio, our solicitor general, uh, who works for me, made the arguments on behalf of all of the states in that coalition and, of course, the United States Supreme Court agreed with us and struck down the Biden administration vaccine mandate in February. Yeah, that's fantastic work. But I'm curious, when, when you say that they struck it down, was there any sort of recourse then for all those people that had their businesses closed down and the mandates and everything else that was 
infringing upon all of our rights. I mean, does the Supreme Court just say, no, Biden, you can't do that? Or did they take it any further and, and kind of give recourse to those affected? Well, there was a stay in place, so the uh, nobody actually had to comply with the mandate. Uh, a stay basically freezes everything uh, until the court decides. Mm. Uh, so we didn't have anybody in that situation that had been uh, pushed. Well, let, let me let me ask you, Dave, a, a political yeah. question here because I found this to be fascinating throughout the entire COVID situation. It became almost like if you were on the Democrat side, you wanted shutdowns, you wanted masks, you wanted big government, you wanted six feet, you wanted all that stuff. And if you're a Republican, most Republicans wanted the opposite. Why do you think the two different parties went in those various directions? Well, I think that it goes to the philosophy of governing. You see, those on the left believe that the government should regulate all risks and regulate our lives uh, basically because we're not smart enough to. There are things that the government should regulate. For example, I'm glad that we have a regulation that requires us to drive on the right side of the road. If people were driving on my side of the road, uh, we'd have all kinds of car accidents. So it's not that all regulation is bad. But the left wants to bring regulation into every area of our lives because they don't trust our judgment. Mm. The folks on the Republican side, my side, believe that life is kind of complicated and that we ought to let people judge their own risks and their own situation and make the decision that's right for them and their family. Uh, You know, a good example uh, is, uh, you know, somebody that has... Uh, medical conditions where there was a contraindication for uh, the the vaccine. Uh, Or maybe you'd already had it and recovered and had natural antibodies and you didn't want to take a conditionally improved uh, vaccine because you had natural antibodies. Uh, Republicans think that you should be able to judge those risks and if you're a business owner, to look at the kind of thing you do um, and judge your own risk. But one last thing about that on the employer side, there's a huge difference. Imagine uh, one business that is a call center and they just have you know, 300 people in a low ceiling room, you know, elbow to elbow, working on phones and, and computers. Uh, that's an infectious disease nightmare for an airborne you know, sickness. Now let's contrast that with somebody who is in heavy industry and they've got a million square feet under roof and they have 150 employees running the machines and the robots in that. And nobody comes within 50 feet of each other. Um, two really different environments. But OSHA wanted to treat it the same way for, for vaccines. Uh, and the people on the left wanted to treat those businesses the same for purposes of masks and, and other things. So yeah. it, it really comes down to the difference between freedom and a government that serves you 
versus a lack of freedom and a government that runs your life. Mm. Well stated. Uh, Attorney General, that word became very popular over the recent months after President Trump's uh, residence was raided by the FBI Mar-a-Lago. What was your take about Merrick Garland, the uh, current U.S. Attorney General, authorizing that uh, uh, invasion, for lack of a better word? Well, there's still things that I don't know about that case, which is pending. Um, I have to say that I am at a loss to understand why an armed search warrant uh, needed to be executed. Um, But with that, I have to admit that I don't necessarily know everything that the Justice Department knew. When that case is done, Congress needs to ask some very hard questions because there is a lot going on there that makes it look as though this case was singled out for specialized treatment. But I want to I want to emphasize: let's get the facts. Uh, the Republicans uh, are, are generally the people that want the facts, want the truth. The other side's not even sure what the truth is. They talk about your truth as though it's some kind of personalized, custom sort of idea. Uh, the truth is out there, it's, it's objective. So right. let's get to that place and then hold people if they were acting badly. Well, you're a pro at this. When you say Congress has some questions that they need to ask, what are some of those top few questions that come to mind? Well, number one thing is, why did you feel you had to authorize uh, an armed search warrant? Uh, why not issue a subpoena? Why not use the contempt process? Well, you know, what was the exigent circumstances, what lawyers like to say, uh, that caused you to think that you needed to take that drastic action uh, uh, against a private uh, citizen who is a former president of the United States? So that's the first question, the most important question. <laughs> I think that's the threshold question. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of the other questions about, you know, whether a crime was actually committed and whether this investigation was properly predicated are going to come out through the normal process. Sure. Uh, If there's charges, uh, we get to have a trial and we'll get to see what the evidence is. So uh, this year was obviously another big thing in the news, uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Supreme Court. I know you came into the news as well during that time. We have the, I believe it's called the heartbeat bill, where after six weeks, abortions are illegal in this state. What was your take on the Roe v. Wade being overturned? And also, are there exceptions to our six-week rule? Well, first of all, Roe versus Wade uh, was just shoddy jurisprudence. Uh, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg as a supporter of uh, abortion rights was critical of it. Uh, so I, I, you know, I say good riddance. Uh, this is a question that belongs to the democratic process and to the people uh, and not to the courts. So the Dobbs decision for all the reasons that Justice Alito laid out in his decision 
was ripe to be overturned and turn this question back to the states. And now we're having the debate that we should have had over the last 50 years about what happens and in what situation. Uh, and that's healthy for our country. Now, the, the heartbeat bill um, sets an objective uh, standard and says once we have a heartbeat, uh, then you can't perform an abortion anymore with certain exceptions. Uh, now, those those exceptions, my opponent this last election, who uh, does not read the law very well, uh, got this completely wrong. He says there's no exceptions uh, to the heartbeat law in Ohio. I'm sorry, uh, real quick, Dave. You broke up there. Who yeah. who said that there's no exceptions? Your opponent. I apologize. My opponent, uh, who doesn't read the law very well, says that there are no exceptions in the heartbeat law in Ohio. That's just plainly untrue. There's an exception for the life of the mother. It says so very plainly. There's also an exception if there's a substantial likelihood of irreversible harm to a major uh, bodily function, uh, which would include uh, someone who you know might not be able to have children again or who might have hypertension. Um, and finally, uh, one of the left's favorite bugaboos, ectopic pregnancies, are expressly accepted in the language of the statute says this doesn't apply to ectopic pregnancies. Um, so the, the misinformation out there is regrettable. I've tried to do what I could to educate the public, uh, but we've got a lot of people who either through ignorance or malice are simply misstating the law for political gain. Yes, and that's not surprising. Uh, but I do want to just uh, piggyback off of that real quick. So... In the instance where you do have a minor child who has been raped and is carrying a baby and doesn't know about it until week seven or week eight, is there any exceptions for that person or is the abortion still illegal at that point? It depends on each individual medical file. Now, with a very young person under 13 years of age, the statistics indicate that the chances of dying at childbirth are substantially higher uh, and also the, the uh, potential harm to her reproductive system, her ability to have future children is at grave risk. If a doctor found either of those conditions, the exceptions in the existing law would apply. Got it. Uh, okay. It's possible that uh, a rape uh, might not fall within one of the exceptions. It's going to be a case-by-case -case basis. Got it. But let me turn to something that uh, is frequently cited by the left that simply isn't true again. Uh, and that is that this standard is somehow too vague and doctors don't know what to do. The reason that that's a problem is Long before we had any heartbeat bill, that was the standard. So when it was viability, 
22 to 24 weeks, uh, Ohio still banned abortions after that point in time. The exception, in, well, still, the law still included an exception for the life of the mother uh, or for substantial likelihood of uh, irreparable harm to a major bodily function. And there were abortions performed in 2011 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, long before the heartbeat bill was on. So since it's the same standard, if it was either vague then and they did the abortions anyway, or it isn't vague at all and they're raising a red herring. Mm, Interesting. Hey, um, yeah, thank you for clearing that up. It's been a hot topic, and I know one that you have probably talked about many a times um, over the last year. Uh, last one for you before we finish it off. Um, something else that you've been in the news for. You know, you guys wear a lot of hats at the Attorney General's office. There's a lot of different things that you guys are focusing on. One of the things that you came into the news for in the past couple days has been the lawsuit against Dollar General uh, for deceptive pricing, people getting taking advantage of at the store where it looks like they're the prices on the shelf say one thing and then they get to the register and the prices are higher. Talk a little bit about that lawsuit if you could. Well, you've outlined what they're doing and that's an unfair or deceptive practice, uh, trade practice under Ohio law. So we went to court asking the court to uh, make them stop doing that and uh, to pay people back. We'll see where that goes. Uh, the lawsuit was just filed at the beginning of this week. But the bottom line is you can't you can't do the bait and switch. If you advertise something for that price, you got to sell it for that price. And uh, right. <laughs> we're, we're going to stick up for consumers. You know, it's especially a problem because rich people aren't the ones that, that are going to Dollar General. Right. These are folks that are, you know, scraping their nickels together and trying to stretch a dollar. Um, when you, we had a complaint where a person went in, wanted to buy a bottle of shampoo, it was advertised for a dollar on the shelf. They get up, they uh, check out, and pay the bill and say, "Hey, where's my receipt?" They had to ask for the receipt. When they got the receipt, it was two dollars. Mm. Dollar General maybe ought to change their name to Extra Dollar. <laughs> uh, but when the customer complained and said, "Hey, you you charged me double for this," the cashier said, "Well, there's nothing I can do about it. Our cash registers don't give refunds. Uh, that's just wrong. That's not the way we do business in Ohio. And I'm going to teach this national national corporation that that's not the way you do it." Uh, you don't do it ever, but especially in a time where gas prices are through the roof, the economy's tanking, inflation's at an all-time high, and now you're charging an extra dollar every time someone comes to the counter with a product. Totally agree with you. Well, th- listen, fantastic information, fantastic insight. You've been doing a fantastic job, too, over the last four years. You are running for re-election next week. Uh, finish it off, Dave. 
I asked JD the same question earlier this week. You're in an elevator. Somebody comes up to you, says, hey, Dave, I see you. I see your opponent. You guys have been going back and forth, going at it. Why are you the right man for the job? Well, I'm going to give you two answers. Uh, One is I've been a prosecutor. I've done this job. I've got a record, and I'm proud of it. Take a look at that because my opponent in five years on city council, three years in the legislature, hasn't managed to come up with any accomplishments whatsoever. That's why he spends all of his time throwing rocks at me. But most of all, here's the here's the real the, the, the closer, if I, if I could say that. If you believe that the same laws apply to everybody, the rich and the poor, the big guy and the little guy, the person that has more letters after their name uh, and all his degrees or somebody that just went to high school. If you think Republicans and Democrats and big corporations ought to all have to follow the same rule, I'm your guy. And that's what my office does is make sure that they have to, even the president. Love it. Dave, wishing you the best of luck on the rest of your campaign trail, and we'll uh, hopefully see some good results next week. Good to talk to you.